Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 35, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to episode 35, the MLR Kickoff podcast. Dan Power with you, joined as always by my co-commentator, Pete Steinberg, who is stuck in the center of America today after some gnarly weather, get his plane on the ground. Pete, uh, do they have Wi-Fi in Cleveland, Ohio? They do have Wi-Fi. I apologize if the Wi-Fi here isn't that good. I'm at the uh, Sheraton Cleveland Airport, which fortunately is walking distance to my gate, which is good because I have a 06 o'clock it's so early flight tomorrow morning. Oh, I've taken a few of those in my time and uh, red eyes and plenty of regrets as you're walking to the gate, uh, especially walking past all those rooms in the hotel with people still sleeping for uh, hours on end. But amidst all <laughs> this, right. Mr. Steinberg, amidst the drama, do you have a travel tip that's come out of it? Can you see a little silver lining? Well, I thought I could. So I'm going to share what I what I still think is a good travel tip. It just didn't work for me today. So my flight was um, originally from Cleveland to LaGuardia. And when you have bad weather, you can change. They like The airline will reach out and say, hey, we have bad weather. We'll waive the change fee. You can change um, your flight. And so generally, airlines don't like to cancel flights to their hubs because there's lots of connections. So instead of staying on the Cleveland to LaGuardia, I actually got on the um, Cleveland to Newark flight, which was good because the Cleveland to LaGuardia flight got canceled. I was like, great. Cleveland to Newark, there's probably 50 people on the plane. It's a small plane. There's 50 people. They're probably mostly making connections. There's no way United are going to cancel that. And then United canceled it. But I still think it's a tip. I think that if the weather's bad, try and make sure that you change um, your flight so you go into a hub around uh, um, you know the city that you're flying into although I think New York's probably the only one that that really works for um, maybe San Francisco is another but um, if you fly into a hub it's just a little bit um, you have a little bit more security that you're going to get through the bad weather and you're going to get prioritized sometimes I just feel like it's safer to have two feet on the ground in that bad weather and and I'm glad you're safe tonight Pete even if it is away from your family and work at the Sheraton in Cleveland Ohio yeah, well, that's exactly what my wife said when I told her that there were tornado warnings in oh, New York. So, she's such a philosopher. That's right. So it, the, the, the same storm that gave us hail, yeah, right, that gave us hail in Colorado is the same storm that almost prevented me getting into Cleveland. They, they diverged flights to Detroit, but I just managed to get to Cleveland. Finally caught up with me and did let me get to so it's that that one it's been following me across the country but happy to be here and happy to be uh talking about um major league rugby yeah it's an interesting one tonight we're actually recording as a game is happening first time in mlr kickoff history uh, it's the saber cats over the raptors so we'll do our tips really quickly now i'll go for houston you'll go <laughs> good, good good call I think I'm going to make up on my five-game loot. Like I think I'm getting five games on your calls, and I'm not going to make it up because Houston is comfortably in the lead and um, continuing their resurgence. Yep, they are, and uh, good things happening down there. We'll jump into the Sabercats a little later. But first, mate, let's jump into the opening game of the week. Well, funny that. Guess who it is? It's the Houston Sabercats. They took on Austin Elite, and, you know, Austin was kind of like, 
Houston Sanctuary, right? It was the only team they had beaten in the entire league for quite a period of time. And uh, they continued that trend as they opened Aviva Stadium. You were there for the opening, uh, the, the full opening of Aviva Stadium. And they got the win 36-15 over the Austin Elite. Your thoughts on this one? Well, first of all, the stadium is awesome. Um, it is the, you know, obviously designed for the Sabercats. So it is the ideal MLR stadium. They have expansion plans so they can build that capacity as the interest builds. The, the pitch was perfect, although it's one of those things where I, I feel like the grass was too short. They might want to let that grow. But just a really fabulous facility and a pretty good crowd coming out for um uh, for that game so that was that was great and you know paul emmerich is doing amazing things with houston and getting them to play some high octane rugby they scored some wonderful tries um Fred Palama, i thought had i mean i think that's the best he's looked for a while i think gary gold will be uh, um interested in uh, um his performance as they lead to tokyo and then um james uh for anna shorts that we have to apologize to because uh Gallon and I were calling him the wrong way the whole of the first half. Um, uh, scored two tries. So Threaten and Jake Queenan scored five of the tries. It was a really, really strong performance um, by Houston. Yeah, if there's any way to for a player to make you remember their name is to have a performance like uh, Fiona Schultz. So he had a, a big one, ball in hand, 12 carries for 113 metres on the day. He led the way for the Sabercats there as they ran for 847 as opposed to 6.43 for Austin. Another big effort from Ben Mitchell, though. You've been pretty high on Ben Mitchell, both uh, publicly on the broadcast and here on the podcast as well. And uh, tough year for him. He's, he's been outstanding for Austin amidst what looks like it will be an 0-16 season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Ben Mitchell's played well. This, you know, Austin has sort of been weird. I think that they've, um, you know, they've never had a consistent nine. Or ten. So here they, you know, again they have Judah, who's not a nine playing nine. They have Silver, who I actually, you know, caught up with before the game. He's not a ten, but he's playing ten. So they don't have the people that can really build their attacking shape, and that's why it looks like they're a little bit off. But they had moments both on attack and defense where you're like, oh, there's a team here, right? There's there's there really is a team here, and and of course their you know winless start has come with. Um, uh, some carries as um, Thierry Dolpin is out as their director of rugby and a former teammate of yours, I believe, is in. Yeah, Todd Clever announced today who is the new director of rugby and not sure if that's a full-time move for Todd. I know he's a Southern California guy, so whether that means he'll be moving to Austin full-time or still working remotely down there. But, you know, after what? What we've seen in Houston with their turnaround after they made a change at uh, the head coach level, not surprising that Austin are probably going to have to make some changes too, Pete. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, like I've said, I think they've got some good players. They've, they've certainly got um, some some players that are quality, um, but they just haven't had the opportunity to show it. And I think that, you know, they've been handicapped with this slow sort of introduction of some of their players throughout the season. I mean, you know, I think I looked um, for the game and I think it was something like you know, half of their starting lineup wasn't with them at the start of the season. And, you know, obviously there have been some visa issues. There have been other challenges that they've had. But I, 
you know, I think that um, you know, it's tough when you have that sort of, um, you know, addition as, as it goes through. And, and you're right about Houston. Like, the change in Houston's been been really interesting. I caught up with Paul Emmerich before the game. Uh, the biggest thing that I've seen him do, I think, is I think they've made some, um, you know, changes on attack. They, they, they're certainly playing wider earlier. You can see from their, um, uh, you know, from their set piece. You can see that they're trying to get the balls, um, you know, the, the ball in the hands of Kalinasau and and um, uh, um, and v early. You can see Threat and Palano coming a little of a playmaker. I think previously it was a bit bash, but now they're saying, hey, you've got some skills. And, you know, gambled with, um, you know, uh, Zach um, Pangalenen stepping in at scrum half. Having never, I'm not sure he's ever played scrum half. Um, you know, I've coached Zach probably one of the most talented players he can definitely play anywhere and um played really really well and sort of the way that he played allowed them to play fast and uh, that's what really you know it was a really great win by houston and uh i'm excited to call their game again this weekend and see how they further develop breaking well, news yeah full time has just come in houston 32 so, 17 yeah 32 17 over the glendale raptors will uh Let's just toss things up a little. Let's just talk about that a bit, Pete, because it is current. What does this mean for the Glendale Raptors? Their season finishes on a three-game skid, three losses in a row. We talk about changes in Houston, uh, Austin probably going the same way, where I feel as though Utah and, and Houston are on an upward trend now, Glendale backwards. you think there's some changes there this offseason? Well, I mean, there's definitely going to be some player changes, right? So... Um, You've got Peter Dole that's retiring. You've got Zach Fanolio that's that, that's retiring. There's going to be some transition with that team. Um, you know, watching the game today, uh, you know, their, their challenge is their scrum, and it's been their scrum all season. And, and if they don't fix that, then um, they're not going to be competitive. And you could see they went out, they tried to find some props. So I think that they need to, you know, probably look at, um, how they're coaching forwards and probably some of the sessions. Uh, you know, they they play such a wide dynamic game that you can see them, you know, that they really play a back five often, right? So they play player, you know, their, their locks are really back row forwards that can play lock. And, and I think that, you know, it's going to take a slightly different philosophy. But, you know, they, they had some great games, you know. Um, they, you know, they beat... Toronto twenty two nothing at home. I mean, it's just been a weird season for Glendale. And I think I think the biggest challenge um, for Glendale has been for so long, you know, going all the way back pre Major League Rugby, they've been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country. And even last year, I think you know, except for the final, they were probably the best team um, you know, in, in the country. They beat Seattle twice, but lost the one game in the final. And so I think the challenge for them has been it's a like it's a real test of your culture when you've been up on that peak for so long and now you're not there. And I think how those players react in the off season and how that coaching and how that program reacts in the off season is going to be really important. Yes, it would be interesting to see the next few weeks down there in Glendale, Colorado. Let's move on, mate, to the next game. It was Rooney and Nola Gold up there in New York. This one, well, all the uh, all the marbles were in the middle for this one for both these sides. 
Nola Gold could have uh, pretty much locked themselves up a semi-final spot if they could have got a win with a bonus point. Rooney needed to win to stay in touch with the top four. The ball fell in the favour of Rooney on this day. They get a win, 24-22 over New Orleans, who have gone from first place to fifth place in the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a bit of a drop for Nola. I mean, honestly, they've had, I think, a second half slump. I don't think they've played with the panache and with the speed that they have in um, early on in the season. They really struggled with um, possession. Uh, you know, they only had 38% of the possession. Um, you know, they... Uh... So, Dan, you know, they had 29% possession for Nola, and that's what they've been doing. They haven't been playing well, and they've been living off those scraps. But they had 230 tackles to um, Rooney's 122. Now, they made 90% of the tackles, which is good, and they had so many goal line stands where they were able to hold Rooney out, but just not enough. And I think it's really coming home that they haven't been playing at their best. Yeah, a couple of uh, gutsy performances on both sides of the ball. I've got to give special mention to Cam Dolan. In a tough game like that, Goes 23 tackles without a miss, 23 for 23. Just an unbelievable performance for the big man up the middle, especially considering, like you said, they had pretty much no ball and, and even less in New York's end. So a lot of it was uh, that gold line defense and and uh, that 22, that red zone defense, which, as you know, is that high-pressure defense. And to get through a game without a miss on that is, is pretty outstanding. He also did 11 carries for 74 meters, so... Cam Dolan, whew, take it, take a, take a bow, son. What a great performance from him in that one. Was there anyone on that New York side that stood out for you? Well, I thought Matt Houston probably had his best game of the um, season. This is this is a guy that's really fighting for his spot. He stepped in at a uh, um, number seven. He had thirteen carries for seventy six yards. He had um, nine tackles, and his work rate around the field in terms of supporting breaks and things like that was great. And of course, one of my favorites, you know, I always have these second rows and talk about Ben Mitchell and it's hard for me to talk about um, uh, Rooney without talking about Nate Brakely. Um, you know, 12 full carries, um, 20 tackles, zero missed. That tells you that's, that's an impressive performance um, by a second row. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any time you're in the middle in the engine room, Pete, and you can get through 80 minutes of rugby like those guys are and not miss a single tackle, it's uh, it's not surprising it's those two as well because we know they're both international caliber players and they're both going to be very important, in particular Cam for New Orleans as they face a do-or-die clash this weekend. We'll jump into that a little later, mate. We'll keep reviewing the games. Toronto, Glendale, Glendale come off that Seattle loss. Everyone said, you know, mathematically, they're still alive. They've lost control of their destiny. They had to go up to Toronto and win. I really thought that they were going to show up. But to me, this is a big red flag to the culture that's in that club at the moment is their season's on the line. They go up there and get absolutely spanked 40 to 12. Toronto is a great side. I think Toronto will actually be in the top four after this weekend. But um, again, we talked a little bit about Glendale, but... This one wasn't even close up there. Well, I mean, you know, Glendale hung around for a little while, but Toronto really, really pulled off at, at, at the end. And I think, 
you know, Glendale have ne- have not been able to solve two issues, right? And so one issue is their penalties. So they had 11 penalties in this game. And the other one is their handling errors. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 handling errors. Anything over 10 is tough. It's always been a struggle for them. And of course, their scrum has been um, a real challenge, but they actually scrummed pretty well in this game. Um, there weren't a huge number of scrums. There was only 16 scrums, but they. this is like the one game where they actually scrummed really well, and it was their line-out that ended up being a challenge for them. And they um, really, you know, um, you know, they lost four line-outs on their six-man, you know, four balls on their six-man line-out, and that was a um, a real challenge for them. I, you know, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's a bit of a test for their culture. They, you know... Um, moved around a little bit like their their halfbacks have been different every game right so mcgee was back but the nation was now in at nine and so they've been moving those guys around so you know um i think it's definitely a disappointing way to um uh to finish the season and there's a lot of stuff that they need to think about Mm. they do and uh we won't harp on that game too long let's move on to the last game of the weekend it was the warriors and the Seawolves ends up in a tie, 27 points apiece for both of those sides. And uh, I don't know about you, mate. Not not a big fan of the draw. I know it's kind of a split opinion. And there's some people like the Warriors played well. And, you know, it, it would be a shame for them not to get the points for playing so well after 80. But kind of like the old golden point, you know, the extra time, uh, a little bit of closure to the uh, game. You know, it's, um, I'm a traditionalist. I think, I think a draw is a, is, is a great result. I think it was a fair result in this game. Just like hey, there, said, there is a way to win a draw. Right. Like, have, they, like try scored. Yeah. They got the bonus point. Right. Yeah. So, but they go from right. five to three and then Seattle potentially five to two. I mean, I don't know. That's the beauty of the game, right, Pete? We can agree to disagree. And we can still be friends afterwards. We don't have to fight about it and hate each other. Well, you know, this was like this was a game that you called, right, Dan? This was the game that you called up there. It was definitely an exciting game. Not the best game by the Seawolves. I mean, I thought they were a little messy. But Utah, like, you know, which team is going to turn up for Utah? Who knows? But I think that, um, you know, uh, Vanicolo had a great game. I thought um, Johnny Ika had his best game at nine. I mean, he he had a couple of just wonderful breaks. There's one that was from like the back of a line out that just took him all the way down to the line. That guy really showed what he can do when his team is playing on the front foot. Oh, he was outstanding defensively. That's where he really rung home for me. The way he tackled this game, 22 tackles attempted. He made 20, only missed two, and he's tiny. He was going in there against some of the big boppers, the Samu Manoas, the Brad Tuckers, and, you know, and he was holding his own. Some of his hits were just thunderous as well. And you were absolutely right on attack. He he provided a lot of spark at the back there and led to a few big, long breaks for the Warriors. I thought this was one of the Warriors' best games. I really was impressed with the way that Reeves and O'Malley controlled the territory game. They'd obviously sat down during the week without Daniels or or the playing staff, and uh, sorry, the playing group and kind of looked at where Seattle are vulnerable. And, you know, they love the counterattack. If you can kick the corners and, and make them try to work out, I thought they'd do a good job of, of doing that into the corner, knowing that Ben Seema really 
hasn't been having the, the best luck with his clearing kicks. And often he was only just getting to the 22 or a little beyond the 22 with his clearing kicks. And they did a really, really good job in the first half in particular of just controlling the territory and just grinding it out. It, it was the opposite of what we've seen from the Warriors. It was the most patient rugby I've seen them play in a long time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I actually really like the uh, Reeves and O'Malley 10-12 um, combination. You've got a right-footed kicker, left-footed kicker. That's really useful. Um, you know, remember that um, Reeves was away playing um, uh, for, for Brazil. O'Malley played a bit, a bit of 10, then Reeves came back, then he got injured. So I think they're really, I think that 9-10-12 is really finding themselves. And I thought Josh Whippy at 13, I mean, he's, he's, he's a beast. Like Josh Whippy's a stud, but he's someone else that's really struggled with, with some of their uh, um, their injuries. And I, I think a sophisticated kicking game against a team like a Seawolves with a good kick chase, you can manipulate that back three. I think they're you know they're run first, kick second, right? So if you can get them to really think that they're going to run, there was one time I think I remember Matt Turner like. Thought about kicking, decided to run, got smashed, and the ball ended up being turned over. So I thought they did that really well. And I think that's going to ask some questions for the Seawolves. And I think, you know, what's the best 9-10 combination for the Seawolves? That's really interesting. JP Smith started at 9, moved to 10. Um, Phil Mack came in at 9. So is Ben Seymour on the bench? Or, you know, do you, do you go with JP Smith at 10? That's a really interesting decision for some really important um, games that are coming up. Well, JP has said he, he's a nine. He wants to play nine, but he'll he'll do what's best for the team. And I think that at this point in time, probably is going to be best for the team. It's going to be interesting. And I'm getting ahead of myself here. Is what Seattle does in the off season around that position? You know, because you've got to assume that Mac will probably retire. He hasn't said anything. It won't given any indication he will. But you would have to think that. It's got to kind of be – it'll be J.P. Smith's team next year. So do you go out and get a 10? Do you go out and maybe maybe pick up the phone, Shane Skinner, well, and say, hey, Will McGee, you're not getting treated too well out there in Colorado. What do you think of the Pacific Northwest? So, so I'm not going to – I wouldn't – you know, Ben Seamers started this season well. I thought he played well. He's had a couple of knocks, right? I think that's kind of put him off his best. I don't I, – I wouldn't go out and – and make and make a heavy investment. I think Ben Seema and JP Smith is a young nine ten combination that you can build on, um, you know. But I think some of that's going to depend on who the coach is next year for Seattle and what's the game that they want to play. And so, um, you know, I just think that Seema's not playing his best right now. He's had that um, poor run of luck in terms of injury, and I think that's put him off his his best game. Yeah, Pete, I got to uh, I got to apologise to one of our listeners. I, I was a little hard on Derek Summers on the weekend, and uh, Derek, I know you're listening, and just want to. If I had a camera here, I'd be looking straight down it, and I'm just talking right to you now, Derek Summers. I'm sorry, I got a, I got carried away. I just got carried away, Derek, and uh, I apologise. I was a little hard on the officials on Sunday. I thought there was a couple of calls that could have been viewed differently. So, Derek. I'm sorry, buddy. I still love you. Dan, I just want to say that was in in that was as far as being hard on the officials, that was in line with with the rugby. He faced some some abuse uh outside of that later on, which was well, let's just say it was disgusting. Well, I I won't uh I won't add too much fuel to the fire, but there were a few uh fans asking me where the officials were after the game. So I was like, oh, that's a 
I don't think we're ready to make that jump into professionalism yet. The NFL can keep that uh, that tag. We, we'll leave our officials alone for now. But, um, yeah, you know, again, we're, we're always going to have these moments where we see things differently to the officials. But at the end of the day, it's the toughest job on the field. They have the whistle and they deserve the respect of not only the 30 players but everyone else involved that, um, you know, they're the ones that ponied up, grabbed the whistle and went out there and said, yeah, I'll do this. And if you've got a problem with it, go get certified, go grab a whistle and go see how you do, right? Look, I mean, um, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I guess I'm a semi-active referee because my major league rugby games and my travels get in the way, but I'm an active referee. And, and I think, you know, Derek Summers is a very, very good referee. I think this was a particularly difficult game. I thought particularly at the breakdown and I think, you know, every referee walks away from the game wishing that they could have done something different. And on reflection, you know, you feel like your positioning's not quite right, so you don't always see it. And then it also, like, in, in these games, it also depends who's on the sideline with you, right? So who are your assistant referees? What's that communication like? You can have moments when, you like, the headset's not working, you can't hear them, so you find out that you're on your own. But every referee that's out there is making the call as they see it, right? And you may not agree with that call, but it's the call that they see from the position that they're in, and that's what they call. And we have to accept that as rugby, and it's one of the great things about rugby that we do accept it. Well said, Peter. You just you just put things in such a, a more refined way than I can. <laughs> so, well, sorry, Derek. Let's... Let's Sorry, Derek, so I'll buy you, you a beer yourself. next time I see you. Let's move on so you don't dig yourself any more holes. Okay. Oh, that's not too bad. I think I think it's good for people to kind of air out their grievances and differences. Better than to keep it in, right? Right? Wink, wink. Right, hey, right. Uh, player of the week. What a game it was. Gaston Mires from the Toronto Arrows. He was absolutely on fire up there, shredding the Glendale Raptors to, to pieces. And Pete... You got a chance to sit down with the flyer from Toronto earlier today. Gaston, thank you so much for joining us. You just got in from training um, in terms of your preparation. So I believe you're a little stinky and you're just waiting for the bathroom to open up so you can take a shower. Yeah, how are you? And uh, yeah, yeah, just get, get a couple of minutes ago, we arrived from training. Uh, it was kind of cold, but uh, looking forward for the. Uh, okay, so hold it. Up. <laughs> It, it's kind of cold, like cold like it was in January and February in Toronto? No, well, it's so much better now, but uh, compared to when we just arrived, it was around minus, minus 20, it was, or something like that, so it was kind of tough. But uh, no, 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 well, it's been so much better now. Still well, cold for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, when we um, before we get on, who's, who, who got the shower before you? Uh, I was Leo, my... Roommate from Uruguay, my friend. <laughs> All right, so so he got in first, but that gave us a chance to have a com- um, for us to have a chat and, and to learn a little, little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about your rugby career, how you started playing, um, and uh, you know um, how you ended up at the Toronto Arrows. Of course. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I started uh, obviously back home in my hometown, which is uh, Punta del Este in, in Uruguay. I uh, started when I was around 10 or 11 years old. I used to play soccer before rugby. Then I turned into rugby and uh, never stopped again. I just fell in love uh, with rugby. And, uh, yeah, I played, like, uh, 
from my from my club back home, which is called Lobos Rayu, uh, from a lot, a lot of time. And uh, then when I was around uh, uh, 17 or 18 years old, uh, got selected for uh, under under 19 or under 18 uh, national team uh, at, at that moment, and uh, started training with uh, with Uruguay and in a, in a new environment where was much much serious and uh, more professional, and uh, and then I just keep on going through the path until now and uh well after a couple of years with the national team and uh, then this uh opportunity for for a couple of the uh, uruguayans players for coming overseas to the mlr uh came um, this year after a couple of us uh, went to a combine in in glendale a uh, um, couple of months ago was uh good experience and uh we finished we me and leo finished it finished it here in, in toronto was which is really good so, so how did how did getting to toronto happen did they call you did you reach out to them like how how was that process um were no, there so other teams that you considered like so how did it how did you end up after the com- mlr combine in well, toronto yeah 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 so a couple of um Uruguayans players were selected for that combine, and we went there. We had a week of uh, training, uh, skills, and uh, physical tests. And a couple of weeks after that combine, uh, they they called me up for for the arrows, like uh, that uh, opportunity for the arrows uh, was on. So, yeah, it was like, and, uh, and you did not check the weather. You did not say. <laughs> did you have an idea what Toronto would be like in well, in, in January, February? I, I I didn't know too much to be honest. That it's going to be that hard, but yeah, I knew it's like you know we're quite up north here. But <laughs> tough, but but yeah, yeah. No, no. Was, apart from apart from the weather, it's like we're really really happy here, and the environment's great. Well, that's great. So so you know you 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 come up to Toronto, the team. Um, you know, has a very unusual season, eight games away and then eight games at home. The eight games away, uh, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose the whole time. Yeah. Most all yeah. of those games were within a point that you lost. Um, and, you know, you knew that coming into your home stretch, you were going to be under pressure. And um, but you lost your first game against Nola again by less than a try. Um, and. And after that, you had to run the table. So you're going into this final game against Rooney, knowing that if you win, you're in the playoffs. So what's been the difference for the team that has allowed you to go on this run of, I think, six game, six, a six-game winning streak that has put you with the opportunity to play in the playoffs? Well, yeah, uh, as you said, like the first round was all the way. Uh, we knew it was going to be touch, uh, tough, but like... Uh, a lot of traveling and uh, uh, play away games uh, was tough. Were hard games, but we were lucky to win a couple and uh, had a couple of bonus points uh, defeat, which was really important for our second round here with all the home games. And uh, yeah, I think yeah. Well, first game against Nola, we just uh, lost in the last play. It was a tough game, but 
we could win it again uh, also and uh then yeah we we trust in the in our team a lot in our training and all the effort will be put, we we put in this couple of um last couple of months and uh yeah obviously yeah, playing here home uh, in front of all the local people was really important for us and that uh, obviously boosted us uh, a lot uh, in this couple of games which which is really good so so you have Rooney this weekend yeah. um a, a, you know a tough opponent both of you need to win to get in um without giving too much away uh you know what is it that Rooney presents to Toronto um in terms of their play and and how are you going to deal with that well yeah uh Last time we played Rooney, we lost in, the, in New York. They're uh, they're a good team. They're physical. They have a big big forward pack and uh, really good mauling as well. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been watching and a lot of videos this week. Uh, focusing on that game is going to be tough. We know uh, all the games are tough, especially in this uh, part of the season. But we'll we're still very confident about our performance and. Um, all, all, all the effort that the boys are putting into uh, day by day during the week. So yeah, it's going to be a huge test this weekend. Um, both teams need to win, so it's going to be it's going to be a good game. Now you know you're a long time member of the Uruguayan national team, um, and the World Cup is coming up this year. And you know there are a number of Uruguayans playing in Major League Rugby which is very different than what, you know, so you have a, n- a number of Uruguayans that are full-time professionals, which is very different than what it's been in the past where there's only been a handful. Um, how do you, you know, have you guys talked about this? Like if the Uruguayan players, when you see them, are you, are you excited? Do you feel like this is preparing the team better for Japan than you have been in your previous World Cups? Yeah, of course. Like this, this has been a big difference for us, uh, from the last World Cup and the those those couple of years before, uh, it's really helped us uh, having having a lot of Uruguayan players here in the MLRs. It's really important for us to to get a better team and get better prepared and especially played more more good level rugby in in some terms of the year we were not playing a lot and we we're just training and then not playing. So uh, for us, it's a uh, very, very good news, and uh, it's been it's been really, really helpful, really important. So uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward for the next couple of months. It's going to be really intense, but this, uh, of course, and helped us a lot. Well, and now you you know um, Canada is a big rival of Uruguay in the Americas for things like the qualification, and so now you've learned all the tricks of the Canadian players that you can bring back to Uruguay for those future confrontations, right? So um, I want to finish up with a couple of questions about the team. So um, you know you've come in, you and Leo are both Uruguayans. You come, you, you know, you've come into a um, very different culture. Right in terms of being up in Toronto and 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 you know a, a, you know I'm sure a very different rugby culture. What's what's been one of the things that has surprised you the most 
um, going up and playing for the Tep- um, Toronto Arrows? Well, uh, obviously, like uh, back home, we don't have a professional league. Uh, it's all uh, amateur rugby. So um, culture is different from the amateur environment than a professional one. But uh, in terms of the team and the environment here, we, we're very pleased and uh, we're having a great time. I think the the whole team, players and staff, uh, they've been really kind with us, really open. Uh, we made loads of friends in a short term of period, which is uh, really, really, really good. And uh, yeah, in, in terms of uh, culture and stuff, I think we're, we're quite similar. Uh, rugby is just a sport that put all the values together. And then we've been, yeah, just really pleased. And we've been feeling really good around here. So, so, so two questions. One is, um, I, I understand that there was some celebration where the whole team got together and you and Leo cooked for them. Is yeah. Well, the cottage celebration or something. Yeah, well, we had a we had a bye week uh, last week, I think it was, or the other one, and uh, yeah, Jamie McKenzie, one of the boys from the team, just uh, invited us to his cottage, which is uh, two hours away from Toronto. It was a great place, uh, and on the lake, and yeah, one one of the days we just cooked a big barbecue for the boys uh, and a asado, which is a like a typical uh, South American barbecue. And uh, yep. yeah, yeah, we just had a good feed there. Boys were happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's giving, uh, giving rugby boys a lot of meat is definitely the way yeah. to go. And, um, you know, so, so my final question is Toronto is a cosmopolitan city. It's probably one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world. There's people from all over the place. But Uruguayans are very particular about one thing, and that is their mate. <laughs> which is the Uruguayan tea. So, so if people don't know, you'll see in Uruguay people walking around with these little cups and straws and drinking their mate. So, so do you, Gaston, get your mate from home, or have you found a place in Toronto that is actually pretty good mate that you can use? No, no, we we both brought it from back home. Like, yeah, we drink it a lot, and uh, we need it every day. So, uh, yeah, it's a very <laughs> It's a very cultural thing from us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I have mine since a couple of years, and I just drink it every day. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely part of the Uruguayan culture. Well, Gaston, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on a great season, scoring two tries last week. And um, we wish you luck against Rooney. We know it's going to be a great game and a, and a great um, exhibition for Major League Rugby. Thank you very much, Peter, for for your time, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. There is Pete, the Uruguayan sensation, Gaston Mires, and hasn't he been a nice little late-season pickup for the Arrows? Well, I mean, I I think he was there relatively early, but they didn't, um, you know, I think he, he stepped onto the field as a sub the third game of the season, but... As the season has gone on, you can just see his quality. And he's just, he's one of those guys, Dan, that when he runs with the ball, he just, it, it just, it's just like a beautiful thing. It looks like he has so much time, like he has this great movement. I mean, he is just a phenomenal player, and it's great to see him get that recognition. He just glides. Like if he ran glides. across snow, he wouldn't leave footprints. That's it's right. Perfect. Hey, Pete, guess what time it is? 
Um, it's time for me to go to bed because it's really late. Close, close, but hey, new intro, new intro. What do you think of this one? I've got something new for you. Yeah, power matchup of the week. I've dropped He-Man and I've gone with Snap. I've got the power. I actually stole that from a movie uh, for copyright issues. I won't tell you which one. But anyway, power matchup of the week. And it's going to be the hardest one to do, Pete, because there are games. It's Super Sunday. Three games with a lot of meaning all on Sunday. I don't know which one to pick. Well, I, I have my – I already have my power matchup. I'm actually prepared. and I'd like to um, – Thank Dan and Aaron for the high quality of this pod, um, the high production quality of this podcast as we as we pull those in. So um, I've got the power, and so I'm going to go first very quickly because you might grab this one yourself. But I'm going to go with Rooney Tor- Toronto, and I think a really really interesting matchup between two really good world class players, and I think genuinely world class are the number six. The number six is the matchup of the blindside flankers, which is John Quill and John Moonlight. Both great um, uh, players around the breakdown, both players that are key line-out jumpers for their team, and both quality defenders. And I think that matchup is going to be a critical matchup for that Rooney-Toronto game. Yeah, I've actually gone different, mate. I went San Diego, New Orleans, and the reason was is... It's tough just to pick four teams, right? Like you and I do a lot of the games and you meet the players and the coaches and you you get this strong affinity with everyone because the league is in its infancy and it's still kind of a very close-knit group amongst all of us. And I just want to see New Orleans make it. I just like what they're doing down there, like the coaching staff, the players. It'd be a, a crying shame to see them slip from first and then miss out. But, you know, I guess they've got no one to blame but themselves. So my matchup, is going to be my mate Cam Dolan. Now, I thought maybe against Jordan Menehera, but I don't think they're going to run into each other too often just because they play a pretty similar style, but it's going to be against that number one defense. If there's one thing Cam Dolan can do, it's score points. He's got an uncanny knack, similar to Dylan Fawcett, for a forward to find the try line in, uh, in Major League Rugby. Can he do it on the big stage against his former club? So that's going to be the big one for me. Interesting, you know, Cam plays a very wide game for um, for Nola. You'll see him standing out with the backs. That's why he ends up. Um, I think has a lot of assists. He, he gives a lot of scoring passes. So it's going to be interesting to see what the San Diego backline is. You know, remember um, that it was a bit of a mix and match. Like JP Peterson didn't play the last game. Um, sorry, Joe Peterson, JP Duplessis been injured. Um, Dylan Audsley's out. There's been some. You know, they had Kearns playing at twelve. So it's going to be really interesting to see what that back line is. But those outside backs, like um, Ryan Mattias, those 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 guys are going to have to defend Cam Dolan out wide. It's going to be interesting to see how they do that. Oh, yeah. JP, I should be my matchup. JP Duplessis versus Cam Dolan if uh, JP's playing because, ooh, that one's going to be good. All right, mate, let's do our tips, our final tips of the week. Uh, unfortunately, you can't catch me. I'm crown champion, and uh, but it starts on Saturday. Deservedly so. Thank you, Deservedly sir. so. And Thank it was you. all about that one week when I was away. And I mean, I mean, like you can take the win. You can absolutely take 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 the win. You deserve the win. But there was that one time when I was. You're saying it's a cheap win. No, no, well, no, no, I, mean, I mean, win percentage here. Win percentage here. Okay. Thanks, Aaron. 
Appreciate it. So, um, first game of the of the weekend is the game that I'm calling. Um, it I'm is two games. I'm doubling up this weekend. But it's about time you sat you sat at home for a month, did nothing. Actually, you're actually working all over the world. But so, um, and I'm going to be. Um, so it's. Uh, I'll, I'll, um, it is the uh, Houston SaberCats at the Utah Warriors. This one is at 8 p.m. Eastern on um, Saturday. It's the game of the week on CBS, and I will be at the game with my daughter Penelope. So oh, that's uh, awesome. To see, yeah, we'll get to see the uh, SaberCats and 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 Utah play. And so, um, um, so I have to admit that probably about a month ago, when I saw this is the last game of the uh, season, I was like, oh man, I know it's going to be a tough one to call, but. I'm actually really excited to call this game. I think we've got two teams that are on the up. We've got um, the, the Sabercats who are on a three-game winning streak with a new coach playing a really exciting, dynamic game. And you've got the Utah Warriors that tied away with one of the best teams So, and also played a great, great rugby. So, you know, while there's nothing on the line, um, I am, I'm looking forward to seeing what both these teams can do. Yeah, this is a tough one to pick. Like you said, a couple of months ago, you just don't even... You don't even turn the TV on for this game. You kind of just gloss over it, considering potentially what we were looking at for Sunday. But now I was talking to our uh, our director uh, earlier this week. Yeah, earlier this week, and we were kind of saying the same thing, that this game all of a sudden is between two of the most exciting teams for sure right now in Houston and Utah. I'm gonna. I've got to ask Aaron Castro a question. Is that okay, Pete? Is this? Am I breaking the rules, or can I bring? Well, Aaron I mean, as long as you ask him before I make my uh, um, my pick. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Aaron. I didn't get a chance to watch all the game tonight. Sabercats, Any injury concerns? No. No, they came through unscathed. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I'm gonna go with the hot hand. I'm gonna go with uh, the Sabercats. I think they're gonna finish the season four in a row. Do you have a score? Nah, doesn't matter at this point, does it? Let's just pick a winner. I'll go right. save it. Cats by ten. Right. I don't whatever Random that means. Score, go so I love what Paul Emmerich's doing with the Sabercats. I think um, he's really made a huge difference. But um, I think Alf Daniels has also done a good job with Utah. Utah's so hard. I mean, the Sabercats have actually been consistently good for the last three games, but it's three games in a week, Dan. And there's, you know, there's not like that back line's pretty much the back line. Murphy started, so maybe Zach starts. But other than that, that's the same back line. A lot of the same forwards. I think it's going to be hard for them to get up again on an away game at altitude at Utah. Now, Utah can definitely blow this. It's definitely within their wheelhouse to be inconsistent. But I think Utah are going to win this. But I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I think both teams are going to go for it. So I think Utah is going to win this 34 31. Ooh, a three-point buffer. That's a good one. So, oh, we, we've, we've got a difference. You're clawing your way back here, potentially. All right, mate, Super Sunday, and it really is a Super Sunday. All three games, hugely important. It starts at 1 p.m. Eastern, Rooney at Toronto, Game TV up there in Canada, ESPN Plus in the United States. How do you see this one going? I, I mean, I... I... I, I think I need to go with Toronto. They've won six games um, at home in a row. I think they're going to come out probably with their strongest lineup that they've had so far this year. I think Rooney have been, you know, improving the last couple of games, but they haven't been at their best. And I have, we haven't seen them play as well as they did on the front foot. I think Cahill March is finally healthy. You could see him attack the line 
with his with the ball in his hand. But I think Toronto's going to pull this one out. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Rooney because I think that means that then. Well, I think Rooney can still make it because it's going to come down to bonus points. So let me let me give Rooney two bonus points so they still have a chance of making the playoffs. So we'll have um, Toronto um, thirty, Rooney twenty eight. Four tries, four conversions. In with the two, they end up with 55 points. And now it's going to all come down to the other teams and how they do. I think I went for Rooney in this one. Dude, I could, like, claw back. Yeah, I yeah, back. I think you could. I think you could. You know, it's just this weird thing about and, – and I know I'm a, I'm a fanboy and I love Mike Tolkien, but there's just this weird thing about New York teams. It happened with Nyack for years and I could just see it happening again where they kind of just plod through the season and nothing impressive and they make the finals and then all of a sudden it's just like, all right, now we're going. And I can I can see that too because they haven't been they haven't been able to put their best team out. I can absolutely see this. I mean, I think this is basically a toss up. I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm excited to uh, um, to watch it. I think I'm on the ground in San Diego by the time that kicks off. Yeah, I hope so. I'll I'll be yeah I'll be in Seattle by then. Um, oh, well, it'll be early. It'll be early. Uh, what's it's that? Ten in the morning. Ten o'clock. Ooh, I'll be asleep. You'll have to ping me and wake me up. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to go with New York. I think it'll be really tight, though. I just, I don't know. I just got this feeling, this feeling that New York's going to get it done. All right, mate, next one is your game. It's New Orleans on the road to San Diego, Fox 5 in San Diego, ESPN Plus everywhere else, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, it'll be a 4.30 kickoff out there in uh, beautiful, sunny California. I guess I'm up first with this one, aren't I? Uh, I, I? I said I want to see Nola make the playoffs, and I just don't see him beating San Diego. It's a long road trip. That's a long road trip out there, and Joe Peterson's back and fit. Yeah, I, I could see San Diego saying, you know, let's just lock up that number one spot, minor premiers, home semifinal, give ourselves the best chance to win this thing. I'll go the Legion at home. Uh, 32-25. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I mean, San Diego coming off a bye. Um, uh, Nola have not looked like the team that they were. Like a month ago, I would say Nola can definitely score four tries. Right now, I just don't see it. I actually think Nola's scrum has been a problem, and I think it's going to be a big problem against Paddy Ryan and the San Diego scrum. I actually think this is going to be a relatively easy win for San Diego. I think this is something like... Um, San Diego 32, Nola 17. Mm, I mean, I can see that too. Last one, mate. It's 30 minutes after, so you'll have to text me updates, all right? Uh, all so right, you can I'll find do it. And then, um, because I'm going to want to know, so I'll be calling the Seattle-Austin game on Root Sports up in the uh, Pacific Northwest, ESPN Plus, everywhere else. And uh, if Seattle lose this, they don't deserve to be in the top four. I mean, really. I... I, I... Look, I think it's my my turn to go on this. Sorry, you go. Yeah, I'll go first. I, I, you're absolutely right. I think if Seattle lose this, they don't deserve to go. I cannot see an outcome where Seattle don't win this game. Like Austin have not shown enough on attack. Um, I think Seattle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the lineup that they come up with. Like Sam, who played as. Um, you know, started at eight, didn't have a huge impact, right? Still kind of working his way back into the game. Um, you know, I 
wonder if Billy will be back. That'll be an interesting, you know, it would be good to see him on the bench, um, give him a chance to be able to come back. So some of this is going to come around, but Austin haven't even shown the ability to be able to score points. They haven't shown the ability. You know, they showed some some um, good attack in terms of continuity, but not actually to be able to penetrate. And I don't think they'll be able to penetrate against the seawall. Um, and then, you know, um, but they can defend. Like, Austin can defend, but I think Seattle are going to have too much. I think Seattle, um, 25, Austin, um, 12. Yeah. You, you know Richie Walker quite well, and, and he's a jovial guy and a very, you know, very passionate guy, but overall his personality is quite friendly, wouldn't you say? A player's coach. and um, like, Yeah, yeah, I think that's I right. Get, Although anyone that's seen Richie get mad. Well, I, this is, this is where I'm going. <laughs> right. I, I think there's, there's a rocket coming, and it's got Richie Walker's name on it, and I, I'm not going to tell you where he's aiming it because the Seattle players won't like it. But I can guarantee you this week at training, it'll be iron sharpening iron. They are going to be getting stuck in this week and he's going to absolutely give it to them. There is no way they turn up Sunday with any doubt on what their jobs are and what they need to get done. I think they will get out there and we will see a similar performance like we saw uh, against Glendale two weeks earlier where they just really blew them off the park in that second half and... They'll run away with it. I think it would be a 42-9. Nah, not 9. 42-12. There we go. So I think it, one, you know, it, part of this for Seattle is that, you know, it's going to they, – they need a good win because they want to have that confidence going in. And I think that, like, I would love to see more of Jeff Hassler. Like, every time that guy's on the field – I mean, this was a guy that was like player of the year for the Ospreys a couple of years ago. This is a yeah. talented, talented player. I want to see more of him on the field because, man, when he gets the ball in his hands, I know they're playing him at 13, but maybe they they think about playing him on the wing. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think you need to see more more of him on the field because I think he's a difference maker. And I think that's, you know, Turner's a difference maker. I think um, Shalom's a difference maker, but... Not enough difference makers, I think, in that bat line. And I think Jeff Hassler can do that for you. Yeah, it was good to see Roland Suniola back as well. He went, he had 13 carries in 30 minutes. He led the entire team in carries. <laughs> he literally, and uh, I was talking to one, I won't, I won't mention who it was. And he goes, we were talking about this. And uh, he's like, yeah, oh, geez, it would have been nice if he would have passed a few of those as well. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Pulling back a couple of the old school, just charging forward. But, yeah, uh, I, I just don't see a world where Austin beat them. But if there's one thing that's been consistent this year, it's been inconsistencies, right? That's and we, true. We, talk, we talked about upsets down the stretch. I don't think we anticipated this many. So, uh, I mean, look, it is an amazing finish to the season, right? There's um, four teams left all on 53 points like every point is going to count and you know we said all the way from the start of the start of the season we said these bonus points these bonus points are going to matter and that they are and they are this weekend there's going to be a team i think that might lose this weekend but because they get two bonus points are going to make the playoffs so i think that'll be um you know so all of it is going to matter just such a such an interesting um uh, last um, day of the regular season. Yeah, it will be, and especially that last, you know, couple of hours where your game kicks off at four thirty, mine at five. 
They're already going to know the result of what happened in Toronto. They're going to know how many bonus points New York's had. The calculators will all be out and they'll figure it out. And then you're going to see four teams basically fighting out for two spots at that point. Right. Right. Great stuff. All right, Dan. Well, it's um, it's uh, six hours before I have to get up and catch my flight to New York tomorrow morning. At this point, you might as well just go right through. Just don't even sleep. Yeah, no, no that's I'll I'll take every minute of that six hours. All right, every Pete. Minute. <laughs> All right, Dan. Have a great weekend. Two games for you this weekend. So get your rest. You're going to need your energy. Uh, for Aaron Castro, our producer, Pete Steinberg, and myself, Dan Power. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week to obviously wrap up the season and also preview the semifinals. Until then.